0: My soul finds rest in peace. No longer afraid to face the world that can't steal my joy from me. Here at your feet, I'm stronger than I seem. Surrendering all I. Surrender give you everything that we have, everything that we are, whether it's good, whether it's bad. God, we know that everything is in your hands. No matter the circumstances, Lord, you are good. You are good. You are good. good.
1: Thank you so much, Pam. Have you found Philippians chapter 1 yet? Give you one more chance to look it up. And while you're looking, I'd like to highlight a couple of announcements. One is we are blessed in this church to have a powerful annual women's event. This year is going to be a women's conference, and an information table is in the foyer. You want to check it out. Two internationally known speakers, Mary Forsyth and Marianne Brown, will be ministering, and so it's going to—they're going to be the dynamic duo. I think you all will be blessed. Philippians chapter one, verse twenty-one. Paul is writing from prison. I think the church is less than twenty years old. He started it twenty years earlier. Uh, there was some. Jewish people and proselytes worshiping uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Paul met them meeting down by the river, minus the van. And um, in Judaism, if you have ten men, then you can build a synagogue. And so, either through persecution or the lack of men, this little group was meeting. And they were ripe for The gospel. And so Paul and Silas and his team went there and shared the gospel with them. And to make a long story short, there was some jail time that Paul spent there. There was an earthquake that set him free. There was a salvation of the jailer's family. So a church was born. The town fathers ran Paul out of there. But Paul kept in touch with this little church and kept it going. And so he himself is in a struggle. He's in jail or he's imprisoned in a hired house with one of Caesar's guards chained to him every four hours, 24-7. He has no privacy. And so in his discouraging circumstance, he writes to this church, the first church ever started in Europe to encourage them. And so in the midst of his discouragement, he gives encouragement. And I personally believe the encouragement he was giving them was the same things he was encouraged by, uh, there 's a principle of comforting others with the comfort with which you are comforted, and so it is that paul 's comfort was one that he shared to others you know if you If you have a blessing don 't keep it to yourself. give it away and so in that context, Paul is ministering uh, to them in this letter he has just got done saying that there's some people that are happy he 's in jail and taking advantage of it and trying to preach in places where he 's been preaching. And others are being inspired by the fact that he's in jail. That if Paul can be an encourager in jail, I can be an encourager out here in the free world. And Paul said, in either case, he rejoices. Christ is being preached. The kingdom is being furthered. And even the guards can see that his chains are in Christ. You know, nothing can happen to us unless God allows it. It's true. It really is. I know there's horrible things that happen in the world And God brings us through it. But if we put our trust in him, he will bring us through. When my parents took our family as a kid, four children and my parents went as missionaries for four years to Liberia, my parents had this word of wisdom. And it was this word, nothing can happen to me unless God allows it. And if God allows it, it's for my good. And that which comes against us only serves to make us stronger. And they raised four kids in a country that was known as the white man's graveyard. as They had bugs you've never heard of, microscopic and otherwise. It was a tough, beautiful place, but a tough place to survive malaria and other illnesses they had. And all glory to God, my parents raised three boys and a daughter. And none of them, to my knowledge, as of this date, have ever had a broken bone. Uh, Now, my dad broke both arms when he was a kid. Um, So anyway, just we felt like we had extra angelic protection while we were in a hazardous type situation. And so it is in our lives, if you will rest and trust in God, that nothing can happen to you unless God allows it. That in itself will put peace in your heart. I know there were some will emphasize our works of obedience to the point that we live in fear because we're not perfect. The devil might get in somewhere. Well, if he does, guess what? You find out where the leak is. You turn it off and he loses. So he basically is God's leak finder. You know, uh, if you have an air conditioning leak, I know at one time, I'm not sure if they still do it, to find that leak, they'll put some dye In your air conditioning system. And wherever you see that dye appears, it red, green, pink. Wherever you see the pink or red appear, you know that's where the leak is. So wherever you see the devil, you know there's a leak there somewhere. So don't live condemned. Repent. Find out where the leak is. Don't go on witch hunts now looking for devils. Just if he gets in the way, you have victory. So I, I hope that brings peace to your heart. Verse 21. He says, "For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress." And joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be, may be, may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified. By your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. I'd like to speak to you this morning, the Lord will help me, how to live joyfully in the shadow of death. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Paul is living here in the shadow of death. Possible death was facing him. We know now from the balcony of the future, looking back, what happened. He later was set free and was able actually to visit them like he was yearning to do in this letter. and um, But then later he was rearrested, imprisoned again, and beheaded. So he was living in the shadow of death, whether it was the the threat of death that he was facing at that time, or the death off down in the future of his life, he was facing an unjust death. Living in that shadow, how did this man live joyfully? Living in the shadow of persecution, this church in Philippi is being encouraged by this man's letter. They too are living in the the shadow of death. The Roman Empire was a bunch of tyrants. Their army was ruthless. If we went into the things they did to people, they were living in the shadow of death every day. And yet, they could live joyfully. You know, it's possible as Americans to equate joy with having all your bills paid, having the car you wanted, having the house you want, having perfect children and great relationships and never going through a trial. That makes us happy, right? Isn't that our right? Independence Day, we celebrate the pursuit of happiness. Have you noticed our declaration of independence doesn't guarantee happiness? It's a pursuit of happiness. And so in our culture we have the right to pursue happiness, but in the kingdom our happiness is not based on stuff or people. It's based on the sufficiency of Christ. We have joy from him that comes from him in spite of the circumstances. Real careful to substitute Jesus with something else. Years ago, I parked cars for a living, and and, uh, one day a massage therapist, a, a licensed massage therapist, came to do some work at the hotel. Some clients had called and all that. And so we parked her car, and this car was horrible. It was a convertible that didn't convert very well. It had been in a wreck, the steering wheel was bent, and roaches were living in it. And it was filled with junk. And on her dashboard was a sticker that was a a reduced photocopy, I guess, of a Ben Franklin, a $100 bill. And across the front of that sticker were the words, It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. there's a real contrast between that sticker and the way she was living. But the point is, in some people's mind, the kingdom is equated with $100 bills. Well, doesn't the Bible say if we seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto us and $100 bills could be part of that? Yes, but you don't equate the two. First the kingdom of heaven. First the kingdom of heaven. And then God's provision comes for us to succeed in His calling for our lives in that kingdom. It might involve $100 bills. It might involve $5 bills. It may involve farming. It may involve building. It may involve all kinds of things. But we err when we substitute God's blessing for the blesser for God. Amen? It's all about the kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would learn how to live in the shadow of trials and the shadow of, of elections that may not go the way that we know would please you or would please us. But Lord, we pray that we would learn to live joyfully in spite of our circumstances and that we would not replace you with your blessings and that we would know even when we think we have deeds, we have all sufficiency in you. In Jesus' name, Amen. How to live joyfully in the shadow of death. First, a little announcement. Coming to Generations on Wednesday, August the 4th, Grammy and Dove Award nominee, Aisha Woods, coming to this house. She sings, it makes me happy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. How to live joyfully in the shadow of death. If Tom Stammen can do Holy Ghost commercials, I can do... Sorry. Number one, have a biblical view of your death. To live is Christ. Paul said, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can we really say that dying is gaining? Paul could say it because he had an understanding. If you have time, look at what he had to say about death in the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. He compares our bodies to seeds that do not bear fruit unless they die. And the seed that goes in the ground does not look like what comes up out of the ground. And so it is, these carcasses that we live in, when they are sown into the kingdom of God for whatever reason, either natural death or martyrdom or whatever, we are promised new bodies that look nothing like, in terms of the nature of it and the limitations, the old earthly body. And so he also likens... Christ to being the first fruit of the great resurrection. And that we have hope in our resurrection because of our faith in his resurrection. He was the first um, resurrected man to never die again. You know, Jesus did raise some people from from the dead, but they died later. (laughs) They're not still with us. But Jesus was resurrected to live eternally. And so we have hope in that through faith in him. And 1 Corinthians 15 has some other amazing things about life after death. And so I want to encourage us to rethink our position on death. Death isn't such an enemy. It's the fear of death that is our enemy. And Hebrews says that Jesus came, became one of us, became our brother, and tasted death for everyone so that... We could be free from death who all our lifetime were subject to bondage to the fear of death. There's a lot of fears in the world that all ultimately, if you follow them to their logical or most extreme conclusion, lead to death. Uh, my grandmother uh, was from the Ozarks. The Ozarks in Missouri, right? From the Ozarks of Missouri, a town called Louisiana, Missouri. She's eat up with fear. I mean, if you brought out a rubber snake, she'd act like it was real and just go nuts. Uh, eat up with fear. And we, my parents bought a, an old house out in the country, and they were fixing it up. And one winter, the mice came in and somehow made their way into the attic, and we could hear them crawling at night. It took us a while to get rid of them because they would come and go. And so uh, one night, my grandparents spent the night with us. And we could hear the mice running. And we heard my grandmother say, They have mice, Thomas. You know, they, they were asleep. We were all supposed to be asleep. So they're in the bed. We could hear a loud voice. Thomas, they have mice. Yes, Laureen. Mice could get rabies. Yes. Mice could bite us. Yes. We could all die. She had us going from this, you know, to death. The fear of death. And what I would hope the Lord would help us to do today is to take death and make it no longer something to fear. Turn this into seeing Jesus. Have a biblical view of your death. Uh, if you ever get, to get an opportunity to, to go to a funeral at an African American church, you will see a testimony to the Christian faith expressed the way it should be expressed at a funeral. If it's a believer that passed, they rejoice. It's in the DNA of the culture of the African-American church. It's not in the culture of the African church in Africa. It's unique to this country. And it goes back to the days of slavery where slaves who'd become believers, if that was not a miracle, they would rejoice when a fellow slave would pass because that slave was finally free because for hundreds of years they had no hope. And so when a brother or a sister passed on, they were finally free of slavery and they truly rejoiced for the fact their brother or their sister or their mama or their dad was finally free of these chains. They would talk about death, about going over the Jordan into the Promised Land. And even though the days of slavery is over, that revelation of life in Jesus is very real to them, and we have much to learn from that. In New Orleans, they may not always be Christians in the way they live there, but that part of their ethnicity, their culture is in that, and they'll dance the streets with caskets, moving them up and down, even riding on the caskets, rejoicing in the hope of life after death. How much more should we rejoice? You know Jesus. Amen. 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 So death's shadow wanes when we realize to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Number two, live your life for the kingdom. Paul, verse 23 says, I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. I don't know about you, but I know there are some times in life, some people may face a trial so horrifying they would rather die. They lose the fear of death. Death would bring relief. And here Paul is at that place And yet, he's counting the cost and he realizes that living really is uh, for the betterment or for the advantage of of these friends in this church he planted in Philippians. He lived for the advancement of the kingdom of God. To live as Christ is a life committed to the kingdom of God. Maybe when you got saved, you got saved to have a relationship with a wonderful man, Jesus. But I want to tell you, it's much more than a relationship. It's a kingdom. It is a government of God expressed in the earth that is coming and increasing one day. But yet, there is a presence of that kingdom now. And if the king rules and reigns in our hearts, we're here to make a difference in the world. And not just to enjoy Jesus But to help others to enjoy him, to help others have a relationship with a wonderful man. This is the purpose of the kingdom in the earth. And the local church is our agents, local churches are agencies of the kingdom for the great king. And so our lives are to be for the advancement of that kingdom. And as we grow in him, we learn to lay down our kingdoms and our agendas for the purpose of him. Any blessing that we have, we need to consider it in light of the kingdom of God. What is God's will, His reign, His, His realm in this situation for me to fulfill? Why am I still here? You know, if it's all about just going to heaven, let's just not bring people out of the water when we baptize them. Let's send them on. There's a church growth plan for you. But we're to live our life for the advancement of the kingdom. So in the shadow of death, yeah, death would be great, but in light of that, I've got a purpose that's far greater than my own personal comfort, my own likes and dislikes. It's it's this kingdom that I'm part of. It could be everything from teaching children the word of God to taking care of orphans to adopting someone's unwanted child to prison ministry to starting a church to doing something beyond these four walls or the four walls of your own home the light of that truth will dispel all shadows really Being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. And this desire was fulfilled. He eventually was able to go and greet them and meet with them. Number three, how to live joyfully in the shadow of death is to stand strong for spiritual unity. Look at verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel or the good news of Jesus, of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. Stand fast in one spirit. You know, one day the church is going to come to the unity of the faith where we all know the truth about everything. But in the meantime, we are to strive for the unity of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can unify us. We may not agree on some of the finer points of Christianity, but we can agree on the fact that you're my brother, you're my sister. What can I do to serve you? Um, How can I encourage you? rather than rebuking each other all the time, as some churches get into, we try to lend a hand to somebody that's stumbling, somebody that hadn't learned how to walk yet. Striving together for, that, for spiritual unity. There is, there is power in that. Spiritual unity. Fourth point is five points today. Unify for the faith of the gospel. There are some non-negotiables that we cannot recant, that the enemy wants to get us off of. There's new cults born born every year and new suckers to accept these things. Well, the latest one I ran across is Jesus isn't really the name of Jesus. Jesus is the name of Zeus and that we have been duped and we're worshiping Zeus. And God isn't really who God is. God is Baal or Baal and we're worshiping Baal. The real Jesus has some other name that is unique to the people that have these secret manuscripts. And there's people swallowing this stuff. People swallowing this stuff. And it's nothing new. Remember the magic glasses that Joseph Smith had to understand what was on the golden plates, that now the magic glasses are gone, as are the golden plates. Meanwhile, we have this book, the Book of Mormon, that says, and it came to pass, every other verse, and it came to pass, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. If you'll just read it, and you read it came to pass 10,000 times, you'll probably believe it came to pass. The truth is, Jesus is the Son of God, and He is God manifest in the flesh, and we are saved by grace, and grace alone through faith, and His blood was shed to wash away our sins. Don't ever let anybody make you doubt that. That is the crux of the, cruci- uh, that is the crucible of the Christian faith. That is where our lives are purified, that is where unity begins. The basics of the faith. Man. With that being said, Let's have a commercial. <laughs> Focus on the Family has produced an amazing video series called The Truth Project. And for 12 Wednesday nights in a row, beginning here on September 15th, 1st, we're going to meet here for dinner, a light supper, at 6.30, September 1st. Tell, everybody, tell your neighbor that starts September 1st. And at 7 o'clock, we're going to watch the video, and then we're going to have discussion groups. It's going to be powerful. Watch this.
2: You're about to take what could well be the most important tour of your life. It's going to be a worldview tour. We are going to turn and gaze upon the face of God. What should we hear? What should we see? You are going to be amazed. Why did Jesus come into the world? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know from time to time, we're going to bring some experts into the classroom.
0: The world is reeling with uncertainty. It's almost like it's in the air.
2: Truth is fundamentally about who God is. We're challenged to either confront culture, to abandon it, or transform it. Is our culture filled with lies? This is a battle of worldviews. Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? evil. What is it? Where did it come from? Why is it in the world? Who is God? Who is God? Who is man? What does God say about who man is? What takes us captive? What is insanity? What is the world's view of work? God is a God of social order. We're going to look at economics, art, media, music, and literature in this sphere of labor. We're going to look at the area of philosophy and ethics. Everything is about relationships. There is no direction you can travel in which God has not spoken. Why do I exist? If I think I exist, where did that thought come from? We're going to build the final pillar of history. We're going to look at the American experiment. Interest, union, community, fellowship, love. The God of the universe dwells
1: within me? Wow. come and join us. Uh, We're calling this fall the season of certainty. It's my desire that every member of generations knows what they believe and knows why what they believe and are able to communicate it in a loving manner to those that don't know or to those that would attempt to mislead us in the way they're being being misled. You know the problem with deception, the problem with being deceived is you're deceived. And so It's my desire that the Lord would help us this fall to be equipped even more than ever against deception. This summer we're causing it a season of service. Uh, This Wednesday evening at 6.30 we're meeting here together, praying together, and then leaving to head towards Granbury Villas Nursing Home to share the love of Jesus with the residents there and with the staff. Every resident will get a bag of gifts of practical things to help them. In their journey, there in uh, Granbury Villas. And every staff member, even those that are not on duty, will receive a handwritten thank you card from our church. Thank you so much for serving our community. If you've ever worked in a nursing home, you know it's kind of a thankless job. The police get appreciated. The firemen get appreciated. The doctors get appreciated. The nurses get appreciated. But the nursing home is kind of back in the back corner. So we want to make a difference in our nursing homes this summer. And so we're doing Granbury Villas. This Wednesday at 6.30 with a handwritten thank you card is a practical gift for them as well, a $5 Brahms card, and so it's going to be good. Uh, this Tuesday at 2 o'clock we'll be meeting here, getting those gift bags ready and those handwritten cards ready to do it as well. So I encourage you to participate. participate. Who would like to participate in this summer of service outreach this weekend? Praise the Lord. This week, midweek. Amen. All right. Final point of the sermon See, opposition is confirmation of our salvation. Verse 27 again, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. This fearlessness the Lord is able to give us to where we are not terrified of our adversaries is proof to our adversaries of their perdition or of their destruction. Check it out in other translations. Proof of their destruction, of their impending doom, is the testimony of the church's fearlessness. And the enemies of the church are slaughtering Christians now more than ever before in other places in the world. Thank God for America. And the fearlessness of believers is testimony to their destruction. A few years ago, we had a Russian brother preach here. He actually pastors now in Odessa, Ukraine. And he... uh, Yeah, Odessa, Ukraine. He was in the Red Army, and they found out he was a believer... And arrested him, this was back during the days of the Iron Curtain, and hauled him to Siberia and threatened him with death to the point of opening a briefcase in front of him filled with syringes nicely laid out, and said we 're going to give you an injection that will kill you unless you recant your faith in Jesus Valentine 's Fiontec is his name. Valentine said at that point, it was though a cloak of peace just surrounded him and he was ready. This grace. God gave him the grace that he needed at that point. He was ready to die. He thought it was all over. He believed him. He says, I'm not going to recant. That fearlessness is a testimony to the destruction of the enemies of Jesus. Amen. And of course, they put the syringes away and sent him off to the work camp and then when the iron curtain and all that stuff worked out, he got free and Pastoring in the same area now freely. So it's a testimony to our adversaries. Proof of perdition. It's a proof. It's a confirmation of their destruction. But to you, of salvation and that from God. We have a hope. And the fearlessness that He is able to give us is testimony to this coming salvation that's already ours. I'm already saved, and yet. The kingdom is already here, and yet it's coming. A brighter day is yet ahead. Amen. And it's the Father's good pleasure to bring us to that place. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I pray for any here who's living under a shadow of death or any other kind of shadow. Lord, give them your view of their situation, whether it's a bad report from a medical professional, or a prediction from an economic expert or very real thing they're facing I pray Lord that we would commit our lives for the advancement of the kingdom that come what may we can strive for the unity of the faith the unity of the spirit and live lives without fear not alone knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by our brothers in the world Lord may we know that you're with us and that all we need is You. Hallelujah. Michael, can you take it back and put that song on? And Pastor Shay, can you lead us in that song, All We Need Is You? Let's end the service with a little worship this morning. Fall to my knees as I lift my hands to pray. Got every reason to be here again. The Father's love, trust me. And all my eyes want to seize a glimpse of you. All I need is you. us for looking to things other than you forgive us lord for looking to ourself and our own strength like a little boy that says daddy i can do it when daddy knows he can't lord you knew we can't do it and you sent your savior your spirit your word to bring to us what we need that's a revelation of you and so lord i pray that as we close this service that this realization will become so real that we would truly give you all of our burdens. Amen. Those things we depended upon to meet our need for satisfaction or strength or courage. Lord, may they fall away as we receive you in your fullness. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing this song again. Could the ministry team come forward and join me up front. And as they're coming, if you'd like to receive prayer for anything, we're here to pray for you. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Come on down and receive prayer. The prayer team comes forward. Bless you and keep you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in spite of every circumstance. May the sufficiency of God be your portion. Amen. All we need is you, Lord. Possible to have unity of the spirit unless we fellowship together. Amen. You can't do it by yourself.